welcome to the Beyond the Reef podcast, where I talk to experts and researchers in the reef aquarium hobby, discussing a broad range of topics from biology to equipment and chemistry. We take a deep dive into our guests' methods, techniques, and top reef keeping tips. My name is Adam Sutherland, and I am the owner-operator of Frag Garage Corals, based out of British Columbia, Canada. My guest for this episode is Jason Brown, also known better as Unorthodox Reef, and you can find him on Instagram. He's got a great Instagram channel with lots of videos and content. You can find a full article on Jason's 400-gallon reef in Coral Magazine, a link to the issue in the show notes. He's also been selected as the Reef to Reef Tank of the Month and received the Reef Choice Award 2022. He's an aircraft composite specialist by day, so uh, has a knack for fabricating and building things himself. We definitely discussed a broad range of things today. Uh, we did some focusing on recovering sick and compromised corals, as well as fads and trends in the reef hobby today. And I, I hope you enjoy the conversation because I had a great time talking to Jay. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing you can do is subscribe and share it with other people in the reef and saltwater community. And here's my conversation with Unorthodox Reef. All right, welcome All right. to the show. Thanks for joining me finally. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, too long then. So I guess the first question I wanted to throw at you was, what do you think is unorthodox about your style of reefing? Uh, probably because... I have trouble listening or following trends. Um, I basically just try to figure everything out on my own. Um, like I've, I've had lots of books and stuff and I've gone through a lot of info, but it's mostly like, how can I fix that problem and how can I engineer it to work for me? Um, like I do things backwards. Like I, I mentioned to you before, I run my filter socks before my returns, not yeah. at where, where the drain comes in. Right. So, um, I feel like I, I try to do things differently. Um, at the time, I was trying to think of a name for Instagram. Like, what can I do that's, what can I make that sounds different? And it just came up, and then now I'm stuck with it. Yeah, no, I think it's got a good uh, a good sound to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, what do you think are some trends that are kind of, uh, I'd say, bullshit or a waste of time that are kind of, you know, being talked about right now? I th oh, I'm going to say trace elements. Yeah. Uh, not for me, not for you, not for everybody that talks about it. Like you listen to mm -hmm. all the other body, other people talk or online. There's huge systems, right? You're growing. You have massive amounts of corals. Mm -hmm. um, I get messaged all the time by people like, "Oh, I'm dosing this or I'm dosing that," um, but they have a small tank with equivalent to like one colony, maybe, right? Yeah, like yeah. One colony in our world of colonies might be their entire tank. <laughs> yeah. Are you right? Like I, the tank I have now that's set up. I ran just over a year before I started doing trace elements. Yeah. And that was where I'm like, okay, I can start to see colors shifting a bit. Um, maybe I'll start adding some trace because I'm not keeping up on water changes. Mm -hmm. um, but like I had massive amounts of corals and it's still, I was at the point where, okay, I can still get by. Like it's still taking a long time for things to deplete. Now, had I maybe started earlier, I probably wouldn't have read into a bit of a depletion, but at the same time, like, majority of reefers have a mixed reef um so we need just like the trend of having to dose everything and buying all these products i think it's making it harder for reefers yeah no i totally agree i mean like if you have a fairly empty tank with 
new yeah. water and not a ton of organisms in it they're not competing like crazy for for uptake so you know most likely like don't send an icp in for the first i don't know six months to a year unless you're concerned there's something like some heavy metals or or some other uh issue going on and that's kind of one of your your tools for diagnosing it but um yeah i mean you're, when your water's new your water should be if you're using a good salt it should be pretty in line with um you know natural seawater which most salts are good salts like there is yeah yeah i've choose with a couple of brands that i've tried and bounced back and forth but it's the issues would would mainly affect someone who's got a lot of corals or where it's throwing things out of balance because this element is way too high and it like it make everything's just fighting but um most people that are starting off for the first couple of years if, if it's just you know do a water change keep it simple mm -hmm. right and testing with stuff like i have a, a nano i set up for fun for the first time um in january it's a 15 gallon little nano and i basically put a chunk of live rock sbs and mixed reef and i just for one month i tested and dosed all for reef I haven't tested January and it's thriving. Yeah. I haven't done anything, at, no fish, but yeah. it's just I'm keeping it, just leaving it alone. Yeah. And I guess, um, would you bother just out of curiosity doing an ICP on that tank just to be like, well, I wonder if it's like this tank I barely have to touch. I wonder if the trace elements are in line just by chance or if it's just working for whatever other reasons, you know? And the natto. I mean, not that Maybe. I think you should ICP a nano. I think yeah. you should just let the nano be a nano, yeah. but you know. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess I look at it as I have so many corals on the side. It doesn't matter if stuff really fails on it, but it's just, it was a test. I wanted to go a year without doing anything and see what happened. Um, would I do an ICP? Would I spend the, the money to get a result that I'm not 100% sure I trust? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be worried that I would do an ICP and then if there's no way, if I was ha all of a sudden there's a massive issue, maybe, and I can't figure it out, but it's a 15 gallon. I would just do 100% water change. Yeah, totally. Or a water change from, from your other tank. Like I'm sure you have enough yeah, water to water change that tank out 10 times in a row every time you change that system. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even notice, right? I, I mean, I use this, my water out of my tank for my QT tanks. Yeah. And, and. I, you barely even notice it's what it keeps my water changes going yeah um so yeah and i don't think no i wouldn't i wouldn't waste i wouldn't waste the money on an icp yeah yeah no that's fair uh so anything else you think people are kind of doing with their tanks these days that's kind of overrated or uh let's say like a waste of time i i would have to say bacteria i think people are carrying so much on buying all these magic potion bacteria bottles that we have no idea what's in them um, until a company is going to say, this is the exact bacteria in this bottle. It has to be kept at this temperature for this and dose at this amount. And this bacteria is needed for this, or this bacteria is proven to feed this coral. Um, I'm going to say, don't waste your money. Yeah. The bacteria is going to find its way, right? So, I um, mean, that that's maybe not true for all of them. A few of them do list some of the strains. Um, that being okay. said, um, I've heard some of them containing lactobacillus, which is like the, the bacteria that's in yogurt and cheese and whatnot, yeah. uh, which apparently does not occur in the ocean. So 
um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I hope that um, as uh, this aqua biomics um, gathers more data, um, and I've talked to Eli before, um, I hope that like we can start learning from that data as it comes in. So even though it's still pretty young as far as like a, a test you can do for your tank, um, I think the more data he gets, the better the testing is going to get and the more helpful it will be. And so we're with that, we'll find out is okay, if we're adding this bacteria, does it stay in our tank? Yeah. Is it being is it feeding a different bacteria? Is it now pushing a good bacteria out? Or like is it actually helping or throwing off the balance, or is it just becoming a carbon source that and are we just basically carbon dosing? Yeah. And I mean that might be the case, the... It's kind of like the term with uh, taking multivitamins as being expensive pee, you know, <laughs> it's like if you're adding, yeah. you know, bottles of bacteria, uh, it might just be getting converted. But um, yeah, I mean, in my experience, I've always started tanks from uh, previous established tanks with, yeah. with old school live rock. Um, and I've always had really good cycles on tanks. Um, I think it's just where it's becoming a more complex space is tanks that are starting from, from dry rock. But, um, I mean, in my opinion, just like take, get some rock from a buddy. Like if, if you, I mean, yeah. everybody must know some other reefer locally that has a tank that they trust, um, you know, their rock and get some of their bacteria, even put some of their water in your tank. Like I remember there was a system that I, <clears throat> used to trade with this guy quite a bit and i just like i love the way his corals looked especially like his zoanthids were just so puffy and healthy and 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 i trusted his quarantine protocol and i don't recommend this for everybody but i definitely trusted his quarantine protocol when it came to his zoanthids uh and i would always add the water from his system and i swear my yeah. tank looked better it was like uh, an infusion of just whatever good strains were going on in that tank seemed to yeah. do good things for mine so um, yeah, and you would be one of those trusted sense. reefers, like, right? Like you would be somebody that locally, yeah. if somebody went to you, you can say, yeah, like I think that your, you know, your, uh, the images of your tank and your attention to detail kind of speak for themselves that people can probably trust that, um, you know, you would be a good source to see to tank from. And I think your nano is a good example of that too. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I try to help out as many newbies that, or newcomers that come out and I, I usually... I see people with problems that I'll offer up like here I have some rubble or even detritus like I, I a friend of mine was having troubles with this tank and I just had him a bag of like mud and mulm from my the mm -hmm. bottom of my sump and I'm like just dump this in he's like uh like this this looks like a mess like you don't think dump this in my tank I'm like trust <laughs> me dump it in your tank and his tank like turned around and right away right it was yeah it was just because he had it was just dry rock and and that's it and when I set up QT tanks uh, like I always keep a chunk of floss in one of my baffles that I don't clean, just like a piece, and then I'll set up a 29-gallon tank to QT fish. I'll just drop that piece of floss that's been in my tank forever. Yeah, in, tons of surface area. In the, a trickle yep. filter, and it, it's already done. Then mm -hmm. I'll put a new one, and so I always have a couple that I rotate. Um, it'd be nice to see stores having, like, you know those, like, those media balls, like, like I know MaxSpec makes one, and or you can buy the bricks, mm -hmm. um, like the all that bricks like the export bricks i don't think they're gonna like people don't need to buy them for their tanks to help with the nitrogen cycle but if stores had them and they sold them pre mm -hmm. pre-soaked pre-soaked um if it was if they had a clean system not a store that's full of flatworms and aptasia and all this stuff right but uh, even so i'd rather 
start off battling flatworms and aptasia than be battling all the uglies of not having bacteria in my tank. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I do think that for the most part, um, bacteria doesn't have a hard time uh, reproducing in our systems. I, I don't think there's generally a lack of bacteria. I mean, there could be an imbalance. And, you know, some people that do add some of these bacteria products on a regular basis, maybe it's helping correct the balance slightly, but I wouldn't recommend it for anyone that has a system that's already, um, you know, converting good, uh, has a good nitrogen conversion process happening. Uh, I wanted to ask you where your nutrients are at, because that, that's always a thing that people are all, it's like this big, and it's people are always chasing these numbers. Mm -hmm. And I used to do that, and I'm like, okay, I got to keep it at this point. But yeah, um, so I have experimented probably on both sides of nitrate and phosphate. Uh, I mm -hmm. think I got it in my head about two years ago that um, nitrate was the thing I wanted to pay more attention to. And as long as the phosphate, phosphate was, you know, detectable, I would be okay. Um, and things did okay. I had my nitrates as high as probably 25 and my phosphates were kind of in the 0 0.03, 0 0.04 kind of range, maybe a little bit lower. Like I probably would say they would, they would measure zero on occasion. Um, and then recently in the past year, I've let the nitrates kind of settle where they want to, which is kind of between two and eight. Uh, and my phosphates, I've been putting more attention to, and I've been elevating them more to 0.04 to, to even 0.1. Uh, and I've noticed that my corals seem happier with the higher phosphate in relation. And I mean, what I just talked about was probably if we're going to talk about the nutrient or the uh, nutrient ratio, the red field ratio that we kind of think is what we should go by, it would be close to the hundred to one kind of range. If, you know, that's kind of what I shoot for. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really believe that a reef tank will find and generally will settle when, when you leave it alone and you let it do its thing, the biology wants to settle in whatever way it, it, it wants to. And, and often, I mean, sometimes the system just for whatever reason could be just like the strains of bacteria and it just will never really quite find that niche but i find most tanks if you leave them alone they'll just find their niche and they'll 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 work just fine you know i think those tanks that never find their niche is from people that can't settle down and let their tank find it so if you're one of those reefers that always has to add a fish for example right so you've mm -hmm. got a tank let's say it's 100 gallon and things look everything's great and it's like oh i gotta buy that fish every fish you add is going to raise your nitrate and phosphate yeah. So find that line where you're, or if you're never stopping, you now your nutrients are always climbing. Um, and then if you don't find that line where your tank can maintain a, a balance, like you said, where it's like, okay, um, like I'm at the point now where I, I, I was a hatting, I'm like, I got to dose nitrates because things were like, bot it was bottomed out. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, okay, I got to, I got to dose, dose, start dosing. And I'm like, you know what? Why? I'll just buy fish. Yeah, that's a so great bonus. Fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Add fish. And then so I, and then I'm like, okay, and then still low, add more fish, add more fish. So now I'm at the point with the amount I have to feed for the angelfish and everything where my nitrates are like 10. They stay yeah. at 10. Yeah. Um, and my phosphates are actually 0 0.3. 0 0.3? Um, okay. Yeah. And so I, and I fooled around. I went, because I, I bought the, what is it, ESV, uh, 
is it calcium nitrate that they sell? Um, and I raised it up with that to see what's going on mm-hmm. after I had kind of like, you know what, because that you read about it and it's like, oh my God, it's a nutrient. I don't think it's nutrients. I think it's lighting yeah. um, and other elements that are out. But so anyways, um, so I raised my, I kept raising nitrate up to see what happened. Because I'm like, I, I want to see if I can get that green algae to grow. Green algae to grow. Green, mm-hmm. Nothing. Just nothing, watching nothing. the glass. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And I was holding it for like, I bring it up by five and hold it for over a week, two weeks. And then I hit finally 25 to 28 PPM. And all of a sudden I started noticing, okay, some of the corals don't look as happy. Um, some of my SBS, some of my like, I think deeper water SBS kind of look okay. Well, now my purple dragon is not opening anymore. I'm not seeing polyps. So I brought it back down, let it fall on its own which is water changes and my corals pulling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and now if I do nothing at all, it sits at 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems because of all the fish I've added and the amount I have to feed and the foods I use and my phosphates always hover between like 1.5 and three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, your system looks healthy. Your corals are growing. I mean, everything's happy. So I notice a lot of corals react. Some corals react totally different too. The mm-hmm. nutrients. Yeah. Some definitely. of the yes, the colors change completely. Like um my pink lemonade is like bright, bright yellow now when my phosphates are high. When your um, phosphates are high. At, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. At like three, it's it's like bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of like, well, I've never seen those colors come out of it before. It's mm-hmm. hard to even take when I take photos and I send you photos, it's like it's pretty much full white lighting. Yeah. Um so I and then some corals, not so much, but on average for me is just a lot less stressful to run them at a higher number and not worry about what happens if I'm not paying attention to my nitrates again and then they bottom up because before I was trying to keep it at five being three and five and I was trying to keep my phosphate at like to the point where I test and it's almost zero today and like you you're okay no it's 0.003 and then it's point and it was just I was always on that like racetrack of Mm -hmm. I'm to have a catastrophic failure and yeah. it i like everything kind of crashed and bottomed out i lost a couple torches um i lost some gani uh so after that i'm like you know i'm just going to crank 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 the nutrients and just relax yeah, and yeah. i mean yeah i definitely would say uh like coral death is often occurs from super low phosphates bottoming out of yeah. phosphates if i've tested and i've had a for whatever reason my phosphates have bottomed out for a couple of tests over the course of a week or two that's when i'm probably going to start seeing a couple things go sideways so it's like i think you know if there's something to really pay attention to um as far as nutrient levels i i I would say that your phosphates are probably going to be more important if you have a system that uh, gravitates towards lower phosphate levels yeah um and it's kind of, and then I, like, so before I used to stress about it, right? And I would add GFO and I'd add mm. more GFO. And then I'm like, what? And then my alkalinity would drop. Yeah, from the scary G- stuff. And then I'm like, okay, what else is it pulling out, right? How, yeah. how much trade is it pulling out? And I remember there was like a time when I was fighting it. And I used to have a, my Kato that in my fuge was like growing like crazy. It was a spitting ball. It was bright, bright green. Then I'm watching it slowly drift to a darker green. And then a, a and then it was just like all of a sudden all my my trace was depleted. Mm-hmm. So, well, 
was it from all me fighting my phosphates with GFO? Was it from my just not dosing enough trays? Was it from the allergy? I don't know. But so now I'm just I try to keep things more relaxed. Mm. I don't have time. There would be a good. Uh, I'm I'm gonna probably do the occasional episode on this podcast where I do kind of a fact check and ask me a question kind of episode. Yeah. Uh, that would be a good one to look into. Does GFO absorb trace elements? Uh, what else is it doing? Because yeah. like I, I got away from it many, many years ago, but I've generally run systems that have been lean in the in the phosphate department. But I, I, I think people need to be careful with that. I would honestly like if you have a full blown reef tank, I would not touch that stuff. If you have a fish only system, uh, sure, go for it. Totally, totally great at removing phosphates. It's highly efficient. Not very precise, but highly efficient. <laughs> yeah, you know. Or if you had an episode spilt something in the tank. Yeah. Like, well, okay, dump the whole package of refro exam. Oh like, yeah, what, for what sure. I, right? yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, have you considered just adding more fish? Um, yeah, I mean, I have added more fish, and uh, it seems to help. Um, I think one of the problems is that, uh, like, my tank is so loaded with coral. Like, I'm not going to add so many fish that they don't have enough swimming space. <laughs> I mean, the corals are just getting too big. Um, I have in my six by three tables, I have two of those. Um, I think I have, I would say four to five, like larger tang slash rabbit fish style fish. And then another yeah. uh, 10 to 15 smaller fish. So Antheus clownfish. Uh, some wrasses, uh, some gobies, blennies, things like that. I'd recommend uh, little damsels. Yeah. Like uh, I added uh, a group of six Roland's damsels mm -hmm. and bring Aries and amazing. Cool. They spend their whole day in, in the SBS. And I didn't know this, but the, the Roland's eat algae like crazy. Cool. So when I clean okay. glass, picking it. So if you're looking for a small fish that can yeah. live in your acros, that kind of, and it, they chase the angels away. Yeah. So it's kind of a neat um, little interaction they do. But I found them to be great, peaceful little little fish that are awesome to to add to, add to it, right? But, uh, what um, would you find? How many can get along in the same tank in a, you know, say, let's say 100 gallons? How many do you think you could have? Rollins? Yeah. I don't know. Probably, I would say if I were to do it in a 100 gallon, I would add five. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. No, no less. Um, cool. Or black cap damsel is another. Yeah, I see them here. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'm gonna put things like this in the show notes too. So. Um, yeah. No. I think that's if they eat algae and uh, if you can get a put a bunch of them, then that's a great little uh, addition for nutrient. Well, uh, they pick slightly, right? Like so. When I clean the, I'll see them picking the sand sometimes. And if I if I clean my glass, they'll they'll they come right up to the magnet. And they're eating all the algae that comes off. Yeah. Or all the, so. Um, that's good. That's kind of cool, and they they they're just nice little fish to see swim around. They don't seem to jump or bug anybody, right? So. Yeah, for sure. I think um, there was a shop that was uh, I was talking to recently, and they were telling me they put a bunch of Springer damsels in their LPS system, and they told me that they eat some of the flatworms, um, which maybe is possible. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna say it might have happened if someone blew them off with a turkey baster, and then they're like, "Oh, this is food," and they ate it. Mm -hmm. But they not the type of fish that I see in my tank that do that. Yeah. Um, what I see is I see them hanging, they hang out in acros. So I've got a mixed reef. They're always in my acros. They're always in the large stag behind me. Um, they're 
they're always just in there chilling and they nest below the the acro colony so i have a bunch that breed and they release their fry which uh, to me i always try to get fish that will breed in my tank because mm-hmm. then i'm like oh, free food great right? food. free food for Best maybe food. coral yeah their fish yeah okay um so ah, i don't see them roaming around doing that because they stay in a 12 inch section they don't travel the tank like they have their own little place they stay there they protect it so if you had a tank with flatworms i mean maybe if you you added a bunch ah I think you're better off with peppermint shrimp. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, peppermint shrimp in the right type can be. Uh, uh, there's great. like what? Yeah. Never what's the name. It's the K. There's a. The Quakenthali are the ones yeah. from Jakarta yeah, that I I've been talking about for sure. Those are those are great. Um, I've also had really good success um, with certain kinds of wrasses and and uh, yeah. certain kinds of flatworms too. Melanaris can take out those red planaria. I think they're probably not the tastiest thing to them, but I think. Um, in the right situation, they'll probably pick them off. I've, I've had them completely empty a tank of them before without having to do any, you know, chemical treatments. So, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely put them on the list of, uh, of, uh, good, uh, let's not call it a pest. Well, I guess we can call it a pest, you know, they're not a parasite, but they're a pest, <laughs> but yeah, oh. uh, I would say if anybody's listening to this and they're looking for a ras, the melanaris ras is a great ras for the fact that they come in. They seem to come in healthy. Same with the yellow mm-hmm. chorus. Yeah. But the melanaris ras gets large over time. Same with the radiant ras. Um, I had one get over seven inch my my old tank. So, yeah. and then it starts going after snails and stuff. Whereas if you get like uh, an ornate leopard ras or something like that, they seem to stay slightly smaller. Um, although they're harder to get a good one. It mm-hmm. seems like it's mm-hmm. odd, but I'll get a bunch and then half of them they live a month and a half and then they just perish. Right. Um, or a tamarind, they, over time, they're not, they're less likely to go after your, your inverts. So, I mean, if you're looking for a quick fix, melanaris for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they do get big and they can be kind of aggressive, especially towards other wrasses, but if they're the only wrasse in the tank and maybe you you got a six line in there, who is also an asshole, um, they can just both be assholes together. (laughs) An asshole club. (laughs) Everybody hates six lines. I have have two in my tank and I love them. Yeah. But, um, they're, they're a pair, they breed. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny. They'll, they'll, they hate each other. And then all of a sudden they're best friends and they protect each other and they hate each other. So they kind of keep each other busy. Yeah. It sounds um, like a regular marriage. Really. <laughs> yeah. And Boston Rasses. That would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking we, uh, we hit a little bit of a subject here. Um, cause we're, uh, I don't know. I like that we're jumping around. We don't really have it. There's no rules here, <laughs> but, okay. um, I thought we could talk about, because this is something people ask me about a lot, uh, troubleshooting compromised corals, corals that are, kind of going sideways uh indications being uh colors fading colors getting too dark uh maybe bleaching like loss of zooxanthellae Mm -hmm. uh lack of polyp extension uh tissue and then getting into tissue recession necrosis i mean we're talking rtn stn uh so if you have a coral not that you're doing a lot of acquiring these days but if you have a coral that is uh, not looking so good. What are some of the first things you do to check for to sort of diagnose the situation? Uh, first, I check to make sure there's nothing bothering it. Like, okay, is there any chance that there's anything close by that could be stinging this coral at night? 
-hmm. is there a sponge touching it? Because like sponges will destroy your SPS if you're not careful um, or other corals, right? Um, so I start to, I, I go through that and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Why is this coral unhealthy, right? So I'm like, okay, so I'll look at, okay, but all the other corals are healthy. So why is this one not healthy, mm -hmm. right? Unless they're bad. If, if I've got a group of them that are bad, I'm like, hey, there's something wrong. But if it's just one, I won't even at first consider checking any parameters. Like I'm, I check my, I mean, let's be honest, I'm, I'm so scared of my tank sometimes. Like it's stressful. Like I check my apex before bed every day. I check my apex in the morning. Yeah. I check yeah. work, yeah. break. Like it's, it's like this, like a habit, right? It's like when you smoke, you just like go, but, that, yeah. but anyways, so I check, make sure there's nothing bothered it. Like, okay, are fish picking at it? Or is this what's, is something going on? So, and if that looks fine, then I'll right away, I'll just move it. Um, I'll move it to, to a different location. I'm like, okay, well maybe, cause my brain always goes, is it flow or lighting? Mm -hmm. Is always my first thought. So, okay, well maybe it's only getting linear flow here. So I'll move it to a place in my frag system where I know the flow is perfect, right? No corals are thriving. And then it, and if things don't improve fairly soon in there, then I'm like, okay, something's off. Now I got to say, is this a coral that needs more light or less light? Um, is the spectrum wrong in the one tank I have? But yeah, I mean, I think something you need to ask is how long has that coral been in that spot and it, and how long has it been happy in that spot already? So like before you blame light, you have to go like, well, I grew this coral under this light in this spot. So yeah. unless there's a change in light from shading from a different, another yeah. coral around it, um, same thing goes with flow. Yeah. Like so then has the flow me, changed or is there other coral around it that's restricted? restricting the flow that's getting to it exactly that's what i was just going to say um so that, that would be my if it's a coral in, in my tank right behind me um right people can't see if it's a coral in my display um that's not shaded by another coral and it's and if it's not being stung or bothered or touching something too close it for me right away it's flow mm -hmm. there's has to be flow or something or maybe it's something from the flow is dumping something on it or mm -hmm how the flow is restricted from the other corals. So, and that's a big battle I have in my tank because as corals grow, I'm always having to change the flow, um, which I think a lot of people don't think about is they just put their pumps in place and then, oh, this is good, I'm done. Yeah, I've changed pumps so many times. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm constantly modifying them, just like increasing them. Like, okay, now this, I probably should just hard reset some of the corals and there's like start well over i mean some of them just get so massive that, that you, when you have a colony yeah. that's you know that 12 to let's say 18 inch size um it needs a lot of flow to to get yeah. um you know through all it's, if it's an sps to get through all the branches um to kind of make sure that every little bit of that coral is getting uh thoroughly uh exchanged on a regular basis so i find that the corals i have that are restricted for flow and if there's something going on where they're losing color, the corals that are the first to have issues are the ones that are, are not in a great flow. Mm -hmm. Like, like it, there, there's still flow, like it's going by, but it's not erratic or it's not, maybe that coral can't exchange water properly. Like things, something's not, so that's always okay. I should move that coral. Um, but again, like it's weird. It's like, I think sometimes corals just suck. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes it, it's literally just the coral. Like it's not, yeah. it's not necessarily anything you did, especially if you're bringing in, uh, you know, 
like we talked about, you're not adding a lot of new stuff to your system. But if you were adding maricultured SPS and, um, you know, wild collected or maricultured, uh, say, euphelia or or other kinds of corals, like you're going to you're going to you might get a coral that comes in looking really healthy, um, but it might not it might not transition into an aquarium condition and it might just, there might be something that came in with it in the ocean that uh, inevitably like is going to be it's, it's death. Even if it's not right away, it might be six months in, it might be a month in. I've definitely seen it with the maricultured SPS. And or like bacteria is different in your tank, right? Like things yeah. like corals feeding on this. Now it's like, okay, I've got to learn to eat this. Like I know corals adapt, but there's like, there's a lot of stressors from, that comes from the ocean or um but like so yeah like for like for me it's always are a lot of corals bad but like you said sometimes there's no control over yeah what, like i have two corals i have two all have two qualities the same in my tank or i have i have a frag system behind my tank that's the same water and corals in that tank do amazing mm-hmm. and then some thing and no matter what i do i can't keep that coral alive in this tank yeah so for me then it's like lighting what's going on is my lighting different and it is slightly different, um, but who knows, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, not everyone is going to have the option to pull a coral out and put it in a in a different system with with different, uh, you know, say let's say more ideal uh, conditions. Um, and I, I don't recommend that everybody just immediately takes a coral and moves it because I think in some cases that's going to stress it more. But um, yeah. you know, in our situation, like you and I have the experience to kind of. Yeah be able to assess what we think is uh you know like a good course of action for it but that's not going to be an option for everyone i mean i think for most people if you're going to troubleshoot um one of the things you should do obviously is check your parameters but also like double check your parameters like yeah not like you're if you're running a trident or some kind of automated testing system they're not always going to be perfect and sometimes they're, you're going to have a calibration issue that could be wildly off like i find with the trident um you probably noticed this too um the calcium and magnesium test low as they start to get towards the bottom of the reagent um like, I, yeah i ignore my calcium magnesium yeah on the trident. yeah you're uh, mostly just using it for elk yeah yeah and so and a lot of times i'll run out of the the calcium magnesium reagent Mm-hmm. and i'll just leave it empty i'll just manually hit the I elk totally the do that i totally do that too yeah um, i mean i'm just gonna get the most out of this, <laughs> this yeah. elk liquid and as i, I can save a little bit of elk left in each one and I, I put them all in a container and i reuse them and and it's yeah the my test answer might be off um but i'm watching to see if there's a huge fluctuation over time right mm-hmm. so like if my credit's wrong like my like you said the magnesium calcium sometimes low or it's wrong but i say it's it's telling me my calcium's 360 but it's actually 400 yeah and it stays at 360 yeah or yeah. and then it starts to drift down i'm like okay is it the reagents or is my calcium drifting down um so I, I don't care about the number as much as yeah. what's going on. Yeah, with the old- you care about the stability more than, yeah. than the number. Yeah, because like corals will find, they'll find those calcium ions. They're, they're going to be able to get them. If there's, if there's enough of them kicking around, they'll, they'll absorb what they need to grow properly. So, um, so something else I would say uh, as far as assessing 
Uh, we talked about this earlier, but I think if you're going to pay attention to any elements outside of the major elements, uh, say carbonate, calcium, magnesium, um, check your iodine and potassium. Uh, iodine, I don't love the iodine kits that are on the market for hobby grade. Uh, potassium, I do like the salifert, and I can uh, attest to its accuracy uh, because I pretty much always before I send off an ICP, I do a potassium test on my salifert, and it's usually within 10 ppm of the result okay. I get on the yeah. um, ICP. So, um, Every I've checked yeah. my potassium, it's always been fine, so I just yeah. okay, and I just I have to stop doing it, but yeah. Yeah, and but it, it's definitely I've seen corals uh, suffer if it's below three fifty um, iodine. Like if that bottoms out, you might start losing corals. I mean, for sure, you want to make sure you have um, a level in that. What is it? Point oh five to point oh eight or point five point oh eight, something like that. I'm I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll list the numbers later. That's What's uh, it? hard Claude to remember. From, Claude from Fauna Marin is going on a, a lot now about iodine and fluorine mm -hmm. ratios. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there's like, I mean, I don't know if he's like, I think there's something to that because every time I've had my iodine go off a certain way, it, right away there's an issue. So mm -hmm. um, that maybe there'll be, there'll be something more to learn about. Like we'll learn more as he, he's pushing those products or, and things are changing and their ICPs are changing. Um, so that could be something that, I wish we could test better for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they'll, they'll like certain elements are just hard to test for. And that, yeah. that just is what it is. Like I think strontium is a trickier one because it's, uh, it's similar to magnesium and some other elements. And I think maybe the reaction gets confused by some of the similar elements. So it's hard to like isolate. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I can't speak to the, to the uh, chemistry of it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think there's a great strontium test kit out there. There is one from Salifert, and and overall, would would you agree that the Salifert kits are are the best on the market? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I, yeah. I still use Salifert. I have Hannah, um, I, but like, I've always trusted Salifert, so mm -hmm. I, I always go to like I have like I'll, I'll always use I use Salifert for magnesium, calcium, um, and to confirm with. Like I check a couple times a year to confirm. Okay, the try and stain. I'm I'm not an avid tester. Like I have the the Hanna nitrate phosphate, and I'll go a long time without even checking. I'm yeah. just like oh, things are fine. Yeah, and I'll check. I'm like, oh, it's still at ten. But before when I was running that close line, I, it was like this is like stressful. I got a test. I'm ready. He knows watching my lot. And I just kind of now I'm trying to be more chill, and my tank's doing better. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's good. As you're, we are talking about coral markers, like what things you look for, um, color is big for me. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes corals will start to change color. or And sometimes it's like, oh, this coral is getting nicer, but actually it's not. Like it's starting to get more green or it's starting to get, wow, the pink's really coming out, but no, it's paling out, right? Like, so sometimes you, you're thinking a coral is doing better or like that's bringing that color out, but there's a lot of... Um, a lot of canary corals that I have that really tell me, okay, I, something's off. Like I have, like, I think it's a, it's called in my Aggie tort, but it's like just a, a purple tort. Yeah. Um, when everything's like jiving and the lighting's perfect, it like starts off like white and purple and then it gets like this nice glowing green. But when something's off, if I'm missing something, it'll be purple. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just be a little 
a green around around yeah. the base. And I'm like, okay, there's a, I need there's something off of my tracer. There's so or I there's something going on. But yeah, and that green metallic kind of base. And I know what you're talking about with the Miyagi. Um, I've found the same with uh, PC Rainbow, um, which is a really easy coral to grow. Um, but I've found mm -hmm. my colonies have kind of lost a lot of that metallic pigment that's in the base. Um, I talked to uh, Ray from Pirates Reef. Uh, yeah. He he thinks it's lower light is is how you achieve more of that color. Um, I think we need to treat some of these corals like we treat Montipora now. Yeah. Like sometimes, like we're thinking that oh, as an acro, it needs all this light. Yeah. Um, but I have acros that, or even like Anacoporas that have dropped off my plug and they're under my rack and it's like thriving like crazy and yeah like, how, how is this possible it's getting like no light it's doing amazing like yeah. it's, in, it's encrusting under my my egg crate like so it's like okay well maybe uh, but it, it it's nicer under my egg crate than it is on my rack so yeah. then i know it's lighting right um so i think like we all with our leds now they're so they're so bright there's so much like they're yeah they're, so much penetration like, yeah everywhere it's yeah. like everywhere over the coral so now it's strong light like before we had t5s that reflect off the glass i'm thinking it's like now we've got laser beams everywhere right <laughs> freaking uh, laser beams <laughs> laser beams are these are these laser beams like burning our corals uh, yeah i don't know for like after we talked the other day for fun i turned off my reef brights to see because mm. i the only difference i have on my display and my frag tank they're all radeon pros um is my display as reef brights and I have different colors in, in the coral. So I'm like, turn off the reef brights. I don't want to see what's going on. Don't tell Tulio. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> every time I turn them off, he's like, well, where are they? They're not in your photos, but no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess um, another thing that probably doesn't apply to you because you're not bringing in new stuff regularly but uh obviously um one of the first things i do especially in my quarantine system is i check for signs of pests um mm -hmm. you know i mean that's going to be one of the main things uh like in your case you have you keep a variety of angels and fish that maybe occasionally have an appetite for uh a polyp or two but uh you probably have a, a pretty oh, I, good pretty good residence by this point i I'm at the point now where I think the angels are keeping my corals happier. Yeah. And that yeah. sounds crazy, but I've got corals in my display that are touching that if I had them touching in my frag tank, they would kill each other. Mm -hmm. But touching in my display, and if I watch my angels all day, everywhere where corals fight, they eat that. So oh, the coral okay. can't ever, the coral can't ever, if the second a coral puts out a stinger, the angel bites it. Interesting. So it's huh. so like I, my chalices are like they're touching acro like there's there's nothing like everybody's like like the raja rampage chalice is supposed to set out like crazy feelers never yeah it's kind of like okay i'm gonna die if i put these out right yeah um, it must be something that's like um something that's more palatable about that sort of vulnerable tissue yeah. or whatever that's extending from that that yeah um but like you said with pests i mean i had a i've a long time ago i had a bout with so many pests and that's why it's been like quarantine 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 but mm. like it's the first thing i do if i do get a frag from somebody um somebody i trust even if it's somebody i trust and i've seen their tank and i know it's great i still i cut the frag off the plug no plug it's gone yeah, absolutely um yeah. clean if and the piece of epoxy that's on it if it's 
So I love it when someone frags with epoxy or the the plastic where they yeah, put, you know, you do like yeah, yeah. And some people are like, oh, don't do that. It's a waste. It, you're better off with a crazy glue. No, if you have that ball of epoxy, then the person who receives that frag can easily just pop the coral with the ball off the plug. Now they've got a plug that's reusable, and now they've got a nice little round ball to glue in their tank. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now. You just have to clean the bottom of that ball. I'll scrape it clean, and I'll make sure it's completely coated with glue. Yep. I'll re-glue it. There's no dead tissue anywhere. Um, but like you said, if there's polyps closed on a coral, it's like, okay, oh, no, do I have red books? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I'm going to do a, a pest episode at some point and get super deep into all the pests, but uh, people can just watch out for that because we could – I don't know, I easily spend an hour and a half talking about pests, <laughs> just getting into each one. Um, what? Nudie rat, probably my bane of my night. Like, yeah. Well, those, those Quake and Thali uh, peppermint shrimp, yeah. they eat those Monty eating nudies like nobody's business. Really? They just snack on the eggs and the adults like in, in seconds. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I set up a tank um, that I put like I think 10 or 15 in, and uh, I had those Monty eating nudies in one yep. of my systems. And I just, every time I see a piece with them on it, I just put it in there and I just like watch them go to town on it immediately. They waste no time because I didn't overfeed that tank either. So they're all kind of hungry for whatever um, comes at them. And they just, yeah, they completely eliminated them. So well, I know they go after yeah. plenary for sure because a friend yeah. of mine, he, 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 uh, I got some and then he took some and then he, they took all his plenary out, right? So it's yeah. kind of, this is amazing, right? But, um, I regret not keeping them just yeah. for that, yeah. for back. But uh, it's funny. Why don't we see them? How come they're not? Like, why is this not something that we're talking about more? Why are why is it just because the wholesalers are bringing in whatever peppermint shrimp they can get at that time because of temperature, and then they're just telling us these are pepper. And then why why don't we focus more on? Yeah. Why, why aren't we? Bre- I think we should be breeding them. To be honest, yeah. I mean. But- um, as far as I understand, breeding shrimp is similar to breeding clownfish. Like, I think it's a similar yep. kind of rotifer culture, you know, move them to brine. And, I mean, once they're yep. probably a certain size, they're probably um, pretty pretty indiscriminate as far as what they will eat. Um, so, People yeah, be, it'd be nice yeah. to see. Like, before, like, when I got into the hobby and it was like breeding clownfish was like, oh, my God, this is going to be so hard. Like. And I remember I, I was at a time I did seahorses. I was breeding seahorses and it was hard. Like I had to order stuff from Florida to make fight. Like now it's mm-hmm. you can go to any store and get live food and fight like and rotor first. You can just get it. Yeah. So I, I wish people like that. We need to be doing this. Like hobby. It should be this. This should be it should be more of a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, hobby, uh, right? I'm willing to take on that challenge at some point and try to start breeding i'd rather breed shrimp than fish to be honest i mean yeah um, i read an article yeah. in harlequin in uh coral magazine and i was like yeah. oh, okay i gotta i should look into this like they because harlequin shrimp apparently they they eat algae at, at a certain stage so oh, it's, really? they're actually you just do it in a bucket so but then I, at, you get to a point where it's like, okay what do i do with all these harlequin shrimp yeah um, now i need starfish i mean but, there's a, most people have some asterinas kicking around if they don't have <laughs> harlequins so you know you can find them I love my aspirin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that they're generally a pest. I, I, I think it's possible that I have seen them pick at Zoas before, but it's hard to say if it's not just an opportunity where the Zoa was having an issue anyways. 
So you know how you see Zoe's sometimes they'll they'll melt away. Yeah. Um, and it seems it's always like your most expensive Zoe, like you're like you or you like oh I've got this huge quality of like speckled crack or something. Yeah. Like yeah. All of a sudden you see it see this like white on it, and then it starts to slowly melt. They get smaller and smaller, and then you're like in their covered nastrina or what are they nostril starfish? I don't know what the yeah. name is now anymore. Um, they they're covered in, it and it's like oh the starfish are eating. I think they're they eat bacteria, right? So. Yeah. When if you look on, at night, your tank they're on the biofilm, like they're mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. they're looking biofilm. And if you have an acro that RTNs, they're climbing that acro, and they're not eating the coral, they're eating the bacteria. They're cleaning it, they're protecting it. Now, that being said, if you drop one on a coral, like if you take one and drop it like on probably a, a an like a chalice and leave it there, it'll eat and burn. Really. That area. Yeah. Yeah. Damaged coral that way. And I once was watched one just get a little bit out of hand and eat a green cephastria. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it through the cephastria and I know that like it's perfectly healthy. Like it probably had some bacteria on the edge and it just, yeah, like, okay, it got it's... a taste for it and it just, yeah, just went for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had a, I have so many now that I have actually have a hieroglyph shrimp in my frag tank and it, it sits in the corner and the hieroglyph shrimp hasn't moved in months. Mm-hmm. And just sit there because it knows that the starfish come to it. Yeah. Like it's yeah. hilarious. Uh, every time my friends come over, I'm like, look, it's still there. Like, it hasn't yeah. moved. It hasn't yeah. moved an inch. Yeah, what a life, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, I like the Harlequin shrimp, shrimp is one of my party tricks when I have non-reef yeah. people over. It's like, check this thing out. <laughs> yeah. I used to I used to have Crazy a chip in, in my sump that I would cut off the legs. And I'm like, hey, this is getting, like, you, you're cutting the leg off. And you're like, oh, poor star. It grows back. But yeah. to the point where I had a couple of them. And it, like, it was like, okay, I can just keep doing this. And then. After a while, like, yeah, I get this is, I'm starting to feel a little bit guilty about yeah, this stuff. The leg's not going to grow back as fast as the no, shrimp can. No, so you'd have a group of them, right? But yeah. now you're just the sadistic guy that's cutting off starfish legs. Like. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so I guess another thing so, on this uh, coral uh, recovery thing, um, if we're talking SPS, um, I mean, something that we know as a, I would say, like a last resort is to cut the colony up. Um, in my experience, yeah. um, I think you have to cut quite a bit higher and further away from the necrosis than you would think. Like, is that, have you found the same thing? hundred percent. And I've burned myself so many times that by, I'm like, okay, I'll pull the colony out and I'll put it in a container and I'll cut it up. And now I've just spread that bacteria everywhere because it's in the container. Yeah. So if I see a colony doing that, my first reaction is, okay, I'm, if, if this is my only colony, um, I don't want to lose this because I don't want to have to bite again. I mean, it's just something basic. Like most of my corals are classic corals too. Like it'll, like it happened to a tricolor I had that I've had forever. It was like huge, and it just was in a spot where it wasn't getting flow, and detritus and stuff would sit on it. Um, and then one day I, I look, and it's 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 all it's starting to it's peeling from the mm-hmm. base, right? Um, so instead of right away taking it out, um, I went right in the middle where it looks still healthy and it still has polyps. I cut off a frag before I did anything. So now I've got a clean frag, dip that frag, re-glue it, and move it to a different frag system. So now it's okay. I've, now I've yeah. got and one. What did, what did you good. dip that in? Do you dip it in some kind of recover yeah. or just like a revive or? You can just use revive. Um, yeah. I probably should have done an iodine dip maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, uh, oh, sorry, I just, I just blanked on, uh, what's the one for uh, cyano? Um, oh, uh, yeah, chemically. Chemically, but chemically might have been a good idea. Yeah. Like mix them. Um, 
but uh, so I, I do that. And then after now where that is, I'm like, okay, I don't want this to spread. So that's my, cause I've had it where it's, I'm this touching of the corals and now it's, it's like, okay, now it's, now I'm fighting a war of this RTN is spreading and what in the past, like, what is like, is this going to just go and I lose all my acros? Like mm-hmm. what's going to happen? So I'll turn off the flow in that area. Um, and I usually take like, I, I have a little shop back. Um, it's like a five gallon shop back. And then I have, I uh, made up like a little, um, PPC hose that goes to it that reduces down to like a three eighths tube. So now I've got a shop back that's got good suction and I'll get in there and I'll try to clean off anything that's peeling. Um, so it's, and then especially if it's like an LPS and it's a brown jelly, I'll, yeah. I'll just suck it right out. Like, yeah, get it the hell rest that going out anywhere. of there. Yeah. Uh, right. I don't want it to spread. Um, so, and some people say it's a myth that it spreads. I don't know. I've, every time I've had it, it spreads. It, it, um, it can spread, I think, mostly to things that are close by, but I think it yeah. um, depends on the system, too. Or is it, size of the system, the kind of flow style. Yeah. Or yeah. thinking it's spreading, or is it everything already infected? Yeah. So, so then I'll take, I'll knock that colony out. I'll take the colony out, and out of water, I'll cut off what frags I think are clean, drop them in a clean bucket, and then I'll, I'll just toss the rest. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, it's, I used to try to be like, oh, there's, it's like a branch, right? And you're like, oh, I'll cut an inch away from that on this mm-hmm. stag branch. And then it just, what's the point? Now it's in my frag deck and I come, I wake up the next morning, it's just a bunch of white branches. So yeah. it's like, I just spent two hours of my time fragging this whole colony up and two survived. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's more of, I just toss it. And yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I agree. We, yeah, we I always don't. want to try to save as much as possible, but I think that bacteria, and if if it's bacteria related, it's uh, it's it's kind of like already, already further along than you think by the time you're yeah. seeing uh, tissue coming off. Yeah, it's been in the coral for a long time. Like it's it's, yeah. it's there's been issues for a long time, yeah. and now the it's just given. It- yeah. And, and that's something to be said for, um, I mean, the health of any coral, but if you're talking euphelia, the flesh band is a really good ing- indication of the health of, of euphelia. If the flesh band is like nice and meaty and, and it comes down the skeleton far, even if it's growing actively. Um, I've actually got some euphelia that are some hammers from Australia and some of them have encrusted on my egg crate in that system. I've never seen that happen before. It literally grew down the stock on huh. the egg crate. <laughs> so That's yeah, cool. and same with SPS. Spread. I mean, I think uh, um, you know a healthy spreading base is a, is a good indication of of a coral's health, especially on a torch. Like you could tell yeah. right away. Like someone like I just got this torch and I'm like mm. like the I'm only I only see like a little like is this a little bit of flesh of that torch yeah. is dying or it's been had it had too much flow and the flesh is peeled back it's just re, it's been receding right so like a torch you want that torch to be like three inches like say you're you have um the polyp of the torch is you've got three polyps right mm-hmm. um those three polyps are now spread starting to separate you want that flesh to be still connected like it's like yeah can't even frag a polyp of this torch off with because it's the flesh like it's it actually like there should be a lot of flesh like i yeah. have a torch that i'm I, you you also had the same thing happen where i i will i was one day i'm looking in my frag tank at a piece of live rock and i'm like what is that are those baby hammers and i found there's like these tiny single little polyp that were like the like one thirty seconds of an inch and i'm like yeah. it's glowing so i 
like I zoom in on it and I get a, I'm like that looks like a little hammer and I see like there's a gold one and a green one and I'm cool and I was just on a piece of light rock and then I so I isolated them and they grew out and it it's the it's called uh, I ended up with like a what dragon soul and a New York Knicks or something yeah cool <laughs> which I didn't I've never bought but I had a black and like a purple torch and I had a green torch and I had a dragon soul torch so I'm guessing they spawned and then so you think you got a morph out of those together yeah then i got because i've never bought a new york knicks (laughs) yeah you're like i didn't add that to my tank i never had that (laughs) yeah so now it's the biggest one i have right so it's yeah uh, cool um super nice torch only under blue light yeah yeah i would really like to be able to get um i think if we can get better like we were talking about uh with breeding peppermint shrimp like things like that like if we can move the hobby in that direction um, and start to understand coral breeding a little bit more. I think that will be really, really helpful. Um, something when I was in Bali in the facility, um, their packing facility back in February this year, um, there was a, a girl that uh, she kind of worked in the kind of higher end LPS area. And she told yeah. me that um, all of their torches uh, spawned every month on the new moon, like clockwork. Wow. And these are torches that are in a packing facility that's like, you know, has a ceiling, (laughs) like there's no, the moon is not within view. Um, however, there's just some, something is clocked in with them where they know, um, it's time to breed. Let's do this, (laughs) you know, every month. Well, why are we doing this more often? Why? Yeah. 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 And I wonder, um, you know, if something's been in a captive, uh, aquarium for a certain amount of time, does it start to lose that, tracker like i actually forgot to but i had did buy torches from that supplier and i i realized that i should have tried to track the new moon and based on the same cycle they were on in bali uh and see if they were breeding in my system um because i think maybe corals after a certain amount of time like you've probably had sps breeding before right yeah we talked about this you sent me a video yeah yeah i had a huge green uh tort it started as a little frag and now it's what probably i don't know 14 inches or something 16 yeah, inches yeah, around yeah. and it was just i like to check my tank before bed a lot and just because i like looking at the moonlight seeing the little critters crawl around and yeah it's a good time to check the health of corals too right you get a flashlight get look under things yeah. and i'm like what, what's going on here like I, i'm seeing these tiny little orange balls coming up um at yeah. the surface and i'm like something spawning so i'm looking everywhere and it, it was just so i caught on video which is pretty cool um so it spawned and I caught some and isolated them, but nothing came out of it. Yeah, um, I got some good photos and apparently they they were fertilized. But I, what had happened was I put them all in a in a in a container because I wasn't you're not prepared for it. you're never prepared for this. It just and I'm I don't have my lights set on any special cycle. I just okay turn the blue lights on sure, um, but I do have light coming in. Like my tank does get full sunlight. Yeah. Um. So maybe that has something like it's in the basement, but it gets sunlight from like one to let's say five o'clock or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from the window directly across from it. So maybe that has something to do with it where it knows it, it's sensing that rise or that change mm-hmm. um, because there was coral spawning at the same time as my spawn in the wild. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it's just yeah. random. It's like something happened in the world and so did my coral. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I knew it came from because I've had it forever. I like, where, where is this Where is this coral from? Where, where? I have no idea. Um, but I, w- I should. So now I'm scared. I don't want to check. I don't want to change my lighting that much. Now I just turn the refrigerator off. Yeah. I don't want. I want. Yeah. Is it going to happen again? Like, can I? Can I do it? But 
I mean, what you I know think... which day it happened on, so check it in yeah. a year, like for a few yeah. nights around that anniversary. Basically, check yeah. it, check it again. Yeah. You so like well, like I said, I wasn't ready. Like I put it everything in a glass container. I tossed frag plugs in it. Um, I put an air stone because I didn't. I'm like, what do I do? But what had happened is majority of them got sucked into the air stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if I regret not just having like a slow drip and letting the water maybe trickle out of it through a screen or something, or have instead of an air stone, just have a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, or just leave it like do I do I even need like I don't know enough well here's another little little funny thing that a a friend of mine uh, suggested and I guess he had read about this is apparently the coral like the eggs they find their way back to the reef from the sounds of the reef and I don't know if it has to do with um, you know sound and vibrations but um, for them to feel comfortable to essentially settle and start putting their little little feelers down uh, and start to encrust um, they find their way back to the reef um, from the sound of things like the clicking of the pe- peppermint shrimp, the, you know, the, sa- the any like sounds of the reef, they'll find their way back. So his his little funny little suggestion was, if they ever do it again, play some sounds of the reef music, <laughs> not music, but just like you know meditative kind of sounds of the reef, and that'll make them comfortable to settle down. <laughs> set 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 the tone for them. Yeah, make it romantic. Hey, let's settle down, girls. <laughs> does that like i wonder if he's got like that calm background when he's doing corals no (laughs) put on some berry white while you're at it too yeah yeah no that's funny yeah i feel like i really like for me in the hobby my next step if i have time with my life is i i should look into i should breed something again Mm -hmm. it's just the setup right when you have so much going on it's 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 hard to throw that in but yeah it should be this should be my next step. Now, that being said, maybe a bunch of these corals are going to start popping up in yeah. my tank. Yeah, you can only um, you can wait and see for sure. Maybe, maybe that's why I have that 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 acro that has a GFP infection that or splice as they so call yeah. say right. Um, now, at the time when that came out, when I first noticed it in my tank, I had uh, green Pacillopora. Uh, PDAM mm-hmm. that was spawning and taking over everything. So I'm like, okay, maybe it got some of that. Um, yeah, it does that pol- pol- bailout, a- right? They call it. It's not. It's like an yeah, asexual yeah. reproduction. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's a bailout, right? But I also had a green um, candy cane, uh, Clastria mm-hmm. coral, and I had a Morishita at the time. And the, my two favorite corals that the Morishita would eat was that acro and the candy cane. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. I'm like, okay, was he mixing that, those color, like, well, like, is there something to to that too? And then I'm, I always thought of like, what if I took that candy cane and blended it up and fed it to coral? Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to try that, so it would be a thing, but, um, so I've always wondered, like, wh- what was the cause of it? But then again, like, I have another one, like, I've isolated that colony that popped up again too, right? So is it just the coral yeah you know, it's an right? interesting idea i mean i i think about some of the corals like like they, that you know kryptonite candy cane is a super yeah. super high in uh that fluorescent pr- uh protein i mean it's as neon yellow love. green as you can get uh and same with the i have this uh, acropora florida slimer type that's just it's as absolutely as metallic neon green as you can get so is there a way to take some of that uh that protein or whatever it is exactly is it something in the zozanthelli in that coral 
in particular, but can we transplant that? That would be an interesting experiment to to do if you had an intentional way to do yeah. it. And that's where I would like to learn more about um, spawning, because right, because yeah. the the coral larvae, and when they're baby corals, they don't have any color, right? Mm-hmm. They're keeping on those colors as they grow. So, are they choosing what color to be? Are they so? At that point, could we manipulate the coral to be a color? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. It's like an open canvas at that point. Yeah, or if yeah. they're taking, if well, and we know there's a bunch of people that have these spliced corals now. Um, well, not a bunch, but people are having it. So, or is it just as corals are in our system, are they just taking on new colors? Is it just the corals constantly looking for, hey, maybe I'm doing okay, but in this system, what if I take this from another coral? Like, are these are they just swimming around? Like, are, we, are they looking for mm-hmm. And then now, okay, now I'm going to thrive with this color. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, if you had a, an, an acro that, that completely bleached for some reason, um, yeah, yeah. it's going to look to repopulate the zooxanthellae. Um, and is it going to just take on um, the zooxanthellae that's from the environment it originated? Or is it a chance that, you know, say it's a coral from Indonesia is there a chance it's going to pick up some pigments from, uh, you know, Aussie coral that might affect the overall look and the overall color of it differently? Um, yeah, it could be an interesting experiment. Um, well, that's what I you know. wonder because this, the acro that I had it happen to, my Moorish idol was large and it, it just turned on overnight on my corals and it shredded it. Like if you ever had um, one of the, like those blue eyed crabs that, like acro eating yeah, crabs. Yeah, those little, yeah, um, I know those guys. Gorilla crab. I don't know what the scientific name is, but we call them gorilla crabs and they have the blue eyes. They're hairy. Mm-hmm. And you don't notice you have like two on a little coral. Like when we used to, when I used to bring corals in a long time ago, you, you'd go buy a mariculture coral and it would be on it. You wouldn't notice. And then you, you, the next day, it's like, where'd all my tips go? It's just shredded. Mm-hmm. Like, so the Moorish Idol shredded that coral down to like nothing. <laughs> and I was like, so, and then I moved it and moved the fish and it came back and then when it healed it, then it started showing these different colors. So is it, like you said, is it something to do with, is this coral hurt? Is it trying to heal itself in a way that it can, um, in the, in the location it's at or what the surroundings it's in? I don't know. Yeah, no. And I think the more, more time you have, uh, sort of with a, a corals marinating in a system, even touching yeah. each other. Um, you know, I don't, I let some things yeah. grow into each other. If they're, if one's not just totally melting the other one and they just kind of hit each other but don't necessarily burn i'll just see how it plays out you know it's it's worth just seeing if you, you might get some some something might happen eventually like um yeah you, you never know like i think some of the really cool corals that uh, might be the future of the hobby if we ever stop having corals imported are, are going to be weird morphs morphs and occurrences that we get in our in our tanks or they're all going to morph over time. Yeah, like, yeah. As, as we're always trying to chase that perfect lighting to what we had before. Yeah. <laughs> like is, and if, are things going to slowly just drift, drift on, right? But, yeah, um, yeah. No, we're always kind of, I mean, I have to check myself to look back sometimes and be like, well, the system did really well when I didn't pay any attention to trace elements and, you know, what, what was different back then. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I would say overall, like, I'm always getting better at this, but yeah. there's probably times where it's like, you know, two steps forward, one step back, or, or you know, like, yeah, like you make a change that that maybe overall just wasn't positive to the system. I mean, I guess this is a question I've, I've been asking people. Um, is there a product that you started using um, that you would say in a like reasonable amount of time you saw like a really positive effect from like, let's say like a food or amino or, or some kind of additive. I think you keep it pretty simple, but. Acropower. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always used Acropower. Uh, and uh, when I, it's like before, like if you like, I've had the like the Montipora black bugs. Have you seen those before? Like this, it looks like a the red bug. Like, yeah, yeah, I've seen those on Montes. Yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah. I had them a long time ago, and the Montes are all and so I'm like dosing acropora like crazy. And it seemed, it seemed to like okay, this, these corals are staying alive. Um, same with red bugs. It seems to help. That was like a thing back in the day where we all dumped a bunch of acropora in. Um, now, so I've always kept doing it. And when I had dinos like two years ago and my Ghani's all bleached out, um, like the, I had like bright pink and they, they lost their coloration. I took them out of the tank and put them into a different system. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, was, I fed them like I overdosed Acropower in that tank. And it was like quickly that they started to turn around. And you could see like they're semi-closed and then I would dose it and then they open up. Oh, wow. um, they put their tentacles out farther. I'm like, okay, they're looking for food. And then I then I then I was like, okay, now I can feed them more. Um, and I got got them back. Where it's like, you know, when a gani, you're like, oh no, it's gone. Like I had this gani that grew from a frag, and it's the skeleton alone was like nine inches, right? Mm-hmm. Ross, and I'm like, if mm-hmm. I lose this, it's gonna be so sad. Like it was totally. just, yeah, right. So um, and then it's all closed up for days, and I'm like, okay, it's gone, right? It's, it's lost. It's now it's bleaching pink. Um, for me, and it's the simplest thing. Now, how much of it actually ends up in my tank? Like, does it just go straight to the skimmer? So when I dose Acropower, I dose the maximum amount for my tank in one shot every three days. Okay. So uh, what is the volume and dose you're doing then? I need to check. Um, I think it's 100 and some, like 150 mils wow. I'm doing every three days or 120. And what's your total, um, my total wa- water volume? 650 gallons yeah. with my frag system and my sump yeah okay. not including um yeah that sounds about right in my head it's like 100 or 150 maybe 120 i'm trying to so i do it in one shot every three days now so i think some people will put it on like a dosing pump and they're like okay the instructions say do this over a week but yeah, if the you instructions do that, are a bit weird yeah yeah, yeah. but if, if you do that it's like okay if i'm dosing like three mils three meals it's just going to go in your tank probably on the surface out your over and then in the skimmer and gone right mm-hmm. so i'm hoping that by doing this larger amount now i haven't experimented like what if i double that mm-hmm. um i or is it just is just going straight to the skimmer and going away but for me it's one of those like it's not that expensive it's not that expensive for me and i have 650 gallons mm-hmm. like yeah yeah i do get better pricing but um, so it's not that expensive. It's not going to hurt your tank unless it's thriving. If you, you're having other issues, like I did, like if it's thriving cyano or something, right? Like if something's going on and you're now you're dosing these products. Um, but it's one of those things, like it's never hurt the tank for me. Mm-hmm. It's 
feels good to put it in. Yeah, it's no, like, I think your point okay. um, is to, it's kind of like it's a, a spot. essentially like a nutrient spike or a spike of amino rather than having it just on a regular drip. Um, you're kind of giving yeah. an opportunity and, and I, you're going to see that kind of variation in the ocean too, where there's going to be, um, you know, exactly. yeah, a little, little variation where there's a bit more nutrients, little planktonic blooms that pop up and, and, uh, yeah, inconsistency, I think can be a good thing in our tanks when it comes to, yeah. uh, nutrients and feeding. Well, just like for us, right? Like if yeah. you like, oh, well, hamburgers taste good, but if I eat hamburgers every day, like I'm going to be worse than I am now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like I can't. Same with like we need aminos to survive, right? Um, maybe not to survive, but like we need them to be healthy. Uh, so there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things like I think people think, oh, this is good. Like, I'm gonna do reef rides are great. I'm gonna do something in my tank every day, or I'm gonna feed, feed, feed. Like, and people are feeding, feeding, feeding. Their fish are getting fat. Like, it's like you said, it's it's good to change things up and not do the same thing every day. So it's it's more realistic. Like it's more like treat your qualms like you treat yourself in a way, right? Like I'm not mm -hmm. gonna eat the same thing. Every, I'm not gonna do the same thing every day. Um, let's change it up. Yeah. Yeah. And no, totally. Think we'll be, like every time I've tried to keep that super tight alkalinity and something it's, and it drifts, then I have issues. Now I just kind of let it wander. Like I don't, I don't stress. I'll kind yeah. of leave my, I let my elk sometimes go from eight to nine and a half, 10, and then back down to eight. And I just kind of let it, let it do its thing and don't, don't try to chase it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's, and things seem to be, be healthier. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we, cause we talked about your, your big, uh, up of elk, but you, so you do kind of shoot for that, let's say eight to nine range. If you're kind of trying to be ideal. The only reason why I'm thinking, okay, let's keep it eight to nine because seven sounds great. Mm -hmm. Um, but if something happens and I don't realize it, my tank in a day would go from seven to five and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's if my tank is at eight and a half DKH and everything fails, I've got a day and a half or two days before, at least two days before I'm like, okay, thing I really got to, like, I've got time to catch, catch this issue. So mm -hmm. it's like buffer, right? Um, so that's probably the, I'm not thinking like, oh, corals are growing better at eight and a half because would they? Like, is it, is it going to, like, is, it's just the alkalinity that's a, it's just a, what it's available to the corals. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, they're only going to take what they can now if it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I would say, in my opinion, uh, elevated pH is more important than elevated alkalinity when it comes to coral growth. Yeah. I mean, I think for that, like, precipitation to occur uh, in a, like, let's say, robust way, like when you have good solid growth, that's occurring in a, in a, you know, higher pH range for that to precipitate properly. And I think when it comes to the alkalinity, calcium, magnesium, all the things that are forming the skeleton, um, the coral's not super picky about what those numbers are. It's just going to take them and smack them all together and make growth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, like I, I, I don't want people to go out and start crazy chasing their pH. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of times it's like, 
people are like, oh my God, I got to have this number. I got to get my curls to grow fast. And I, like, I'm at the point now, I'm like, okay, how do I, I got to get my curls to slow down. Like, yeah. this is, <laughs> they're going too fast. Like, this is a problem. I don't, I can't sell corals fast enough. Yeah. Um, so now I'm, what do I do? Do I just keep upgrading more frag systems or do I just throw them in the garbage? And that's, or I give them away. I think, um, I mean, at this point, I think you got to start like putting a few higher end pieces in because what are you going to do? Yeah. Grow, you know, this, whatever stag forever. Like <laughs> if you're growing coral, grow expensive ones. <laughs> I'm attached. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've got a tank that I can't even see in, in the back room. That's got a huge toadstool and I've had forever. I yeah. can't get rid of it. Yeah. And I've got a gigantic chunk of bird's nest that I can't throw out. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, well, and I'm and only just, joking too because I think you seem like a reef reefer that you kind of reef for the right reasons. You you collect stuff you enjoy that grows well. That it's for you. It's not for selling, you know. And I, I appreciate that because inevitably, like if you're good at growing coral, you're kind of probably going to end up selling some or, you know, <laughs> like whether trading it or selling it, you're going to have a surplus at some point, right? And now, and now I just like, when I do sell, I just sell to stores. So yeah. that's in a way, but at the same time, it's weird how corals change. Like, so like, you'll think to yourself, like, I remember I looked forever. I wanted like the little red Ferrari. Like that was like, I wanted that coral so bad. It was so awesome. The red and the yellow, like the gold polyps coming out. I'm like, I need yeah. this coral. And I got one, grew it out. And I've got a big colony of it. I've got a pile of frags and it's like, nobody wants them anymore yeah yeah was it, it's just know, as nice coral? of a coral as it was but it's just become too common it's the it's the curse is it too common or is it it's not what social media is showing as amazing yeah because it's, it's an amazing say. it is and it's right? like it's like you might as well toss your pac-man or needle in a haystack out because that's just kind of a similar looking yeah. coral that just kicks its butt yeah yeah but you have a red dragon in your tank or a purple dragon or a needle and haystack mm -hmm. and you stand 50 feet away. It's like, boom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're and different. It and lips. So yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you have, you have some amazing corals. Um, so I, I should probably look at, you know, maybe adding some different colors and places where I have my tank where it's like, Hey, there's too much green here. There's too much pink. And cause I try to always have that like purple, red, green combination kind of going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, at least really and then what corals do well together and which ones and different textures of so this is a different green this is a different purple this is so it, it's always like a mix right um so that's what i'm trying to look for like so a lot of corals i have are just solid color yeah like a blueberry one yeah or the, um but another coral that i think is like rainbow loom it's amazing mm -hmm. grows amazing so amazing but it's popular but it's not as popular as it should be yeah well it's just, i mean it's just such a good grower though again it's just yeah. like there's there's a lot of That's people, true. it might be one of the first acros that their buddy just cuts them a piece for free or whatever. And, um, but yeah, no, I agree. It's uh it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, actually, so I think, we should, I think we should probably close up pretty soon here. Okay. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about any specific? I, well, back, I, I worry. So I worry that as we, follow these trends of only looking for those crazy named corals. Yeah. And as wholesalers are collecting just tenuous, all these things, all those cool, interesting, interesting corals are going to be gone. So what happens if this is the trend we follow now? Say it's like, okay, we're only going to bring in millicore or only going to bring in tenuous for the next five years. And then they close into or they yeah. close these things. Now, 
all those corals that we used to go to the fish store and you go and you get so excited like you see a pavona and you're like what is that what is this mm-hmm. really cool lepto and it's like gold or this branching salmon coral. like there's all these crazy corals that we're never going to see again right so if that if one of those places close and we've only been collecting these high-end corals now our market is just going to be saturated in these high-end corals yeah um, yeah so well and they won't continue to be high-end <laughs> yeah exactly. thanks now yeah. now walt disney is going to be the bird's nest yeah well maybe yeah. not because it goes fast yeah um people can't keep them alive as easy but it's i'm worried that as i i hope that this people start recognizing corals for the shape and and realize that i want different i want my tank to look like a reef and not this same coral species tank yeah yeah no i totally agree and i yeah i have a quite a variety of species quite a few different stags um you know lots of non-tenuous millies but i've seen wholesalers bring in shipments where they just say to the supplier just millies and tenuous nothing else we don't want anything else because that's what's selling now that's what's selling yeah and one of the other unfortunate parts of it is um uh like out of all the let's say red polyp tenuous that have come in i still haven't seen one that's better than the tgc cherry bomb the cherry bomb is better than any of those maricultured ones so it's like yeah like you you might bring in some stuff and it might look nice but like we already have probably the nicest version of that that exists anyways so that is one coral like back to before we before we cut out here the back is a cherry bomb that's that's one i have Mm -hmm. um and I've moved it around so many times, and I've finally found a spot where it's getting like that those bright red, bright pink polyps, which are and it's just super fuzzy. And then if you get the the lighting right, it's like blue with bright red polyps. It's amazing. Like you mm-hmm. like you said, you're not better, but it's one of those corals. It's like why? How come it's not pink today? Why why is it not? And it was I had to find that perfect lighting flow combination and now when i'm doing more trace it seems like it's it's got that pink back but like you yeah. said it's it's that's one like maybe they'll find one that maybe one will splice one day and it's going to be the same core with blue pink with green coming up but yeah no that one is uh just gangbusters for me i can't believe how fast it grows be compared to other tenuous really? it's like i would say i'll send you a picture but i mean i probably can yeah. grow like a one inch frag into like a four inch colony in six months <laughs> like like no joking like it's it's just once oh. it gets a bunch of axial tips it's like uh rapid growth crazy crazy fast grower so yeah we Which can I compare can... uh compare placement placement notes and see what, what yours is that and what like my orange my orange passion grows way faster than it like I'll cut, I'll cut a frag and then it's like it's already there again like it's healed, right the funny thing that you say that because uh orange passion grows kind of slow for me lately so we we got to oh. figure this out yeah right yeah um, i got the invert yeah <laughs> that's weird your orange passion so when mine grows i've got about an inch of white and blue kind of right yeah. and then it so that green and it gets all those orange polyps so it, it has like that large growth tip that you see whereas but for the longest time it was just sitting and yeah. growing vertical and growing and then it then it grew into a, a section of flow and it's just and yeah it, now it's take off and it's it growing found fast. it found the conditions it needed you didn't yeah. put it there it, it really found them yeah <laughs> yeah i like it that something 
but yeah, that's a good, good testament to your patience um, and just leaving things alone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd like to close the show off with this uh, rapid fire questions. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like people should get points for the rapidness of how fast they can answer. But uh, <laughs> OK, so here we go. OK, so favorite fish. Favorite fish, uh, angelfish. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the Kangai angel. I have one or a regal angel. Okay, cool. Uh, favorite SPS? Oh, tort. If I was only could okay. have one, uh, it would be a tort. Okay, tort. I like that. Uh, favorite LPS? Can be species or specific coral? Uh, chalice. Okay, cool. Softy? Uh, Fiji leather. Nice. You're the second person to say that out of three guests so far. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Sarcophyton would be my nice. answer. Okay. Uh, favorite lighting source if you're using just one lighting source? LED now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just because of controllability. I could have my tank any color I want. Yeah. No, so, I agree. I agree. Uh, with me, because with Instagram and stuff, for taking photos, like, all I do is go into scenes, push a button, and it takes a yeah, photo. I don't have to filter. I yeah. can I can have anything I want in my tank, any spectrum I want at any time. Yeah, that's yeah, so adaptable. Um, okay, favorite product line if you could choose just one product line that you used exclusively for your system. Uh, oh, Mirror. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then favorite salt just in your experience. Now, Tropic Mirror. Yeah. Okay. Um, even with that scare, um, I trust them more than anybody else now because yeah. of that. I'm, like they may have lit a fire under um, their ass to make sure quality control is like, you know, better than ever. Now, like, for example, like yeah. if you were to go on a flight somewhere, would would you rather fly on an airplane that has never had an accident? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Good 50 point. <laughs> or one that happened years ago. So now it's who's checking all their stuff and who's being complacent. So. Yeah. Um, I feel like Tropic Mirror is not complacent right yeah. now. No, that's a good point. Um, okay, favorite, not sure how much experience you have for with different brands, but uh, favorite aquarium controller? Uh, I'm going to say Neptune. Yeah. Um, okay. And now cool. it'll always be Neptune because of Mobius and Ecotech and everything going together. It's yeah. just, uh, I'm just going to follow. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, uh, favorite wave pump? Fair wave pump? Oh, Tunzi. Yeah, okay. For the reason that if you're a lazy reefer, a Tunzi, I have a Tunzi in the back of my tank. I haven't taken out in three years. Yeah, wow. Doesn't need cleaning. It just keeps doing doesn't thing. Need cleaning. Yeah. It's if I cleaned it, um, but like if you haven't before, you can just swap the wet sides. But again, big piece of sand gets behind them, they're grinding, they're making noise. So, um, it's hard. Uh, MP40s are amazing too, right? So yeah. it's, I just stopped off my head Tunzi just for like reliability. Longevity. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, most hated pest. Most hated pest would be uh, Aptasia. I don't have any, but. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, 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 sorry. Or Montepore, you can do it. Mm -hmm. There's a worse. But Aptasia was something I hated my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, at the beginning, it's like, hey, even though it, it doesn't really do anything bad, like no, yeah, it might it's, just, it's just there. It's like it's like and red it, planaria flatworms. It's just there. But, but. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, flatworms—they don't do it. They're just there. They're ugly. So it's yeah. It's like I can't. Ha so 
sorry, I'm gonna can I if I were to change the answer, it would be my most hated thing in the world is clove polyps. Oh if yeah. Well there is selling clove polyps. Fembend is all that shit, man. Easy. Yeah. Done. <laughs> no, don't burn. Don't do that. that. Don't burn corals, but throw in the garbage. Yeah. Compost yeah. it. Get rid of it. that that stuff. It'll destroy your tank. Yeah. Like it takes I mean, unless you want that cool look, but stop. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a pain in the butt. But uh, yeah, no, I've actually found a low dose of fenbendazole can kill the clove polyps and not affect yeah. any corals or snails. So um, yeah, future episode, I'm sure that will come up. Uh, final question. This is kind of a fun thought exercise. So uh, if money was, was, let's say, no object, or if you were in a financial position to do so, would you do a polo reef? No. No? Okay, why not? Why? Because I couldn't trust somebody else to work on my tank. But like you have enough money to say, like pay someone like you really, really well to do it. Like say if I was like Jay, like I'm like, I'm setting up this tank. I'm, I'm set, bro. I got so much money now. I'm going to bring you and your family over here, pay you $10 million a year to maintain my tank. Not that I'm saying anybody gets paid that much to maintain his tank, but say, Hey, you do that? I wouldn't go there, but I, I, I still okay. If I okay, I would. So the answer to that is no. I wouldn't do it for the fact that I would couldn't trust somebody. I would want to be the one doing it myself. Yeah. yeah. Um. But if the other way around is yes, I would want to do polo reef, but it wouldn't be in my house. If I had the means, I would do polo reef somewhere for the public yeah no um, that's a good way to so put it for sure to make I it accessible for the public anybody could go to and then I, I could spread what the joy of my hobby to or i would like to the world like yeah to city, right yeah. um and i would be okay with paying someone to do it but if it was my personal aquarium it would it's no longer my personal aquarium it's now a personal art piece that i'm paying mm -hmm. people to do it but again, you get all the fish you want. Like keep the fish you have is insane. Like I can't. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, yeah. No, I no, think that's man. a really good point. I mean, I think uh, to be able to inspire, especially young generations who, you know, could be future marine biologists. They could see, you yeah. know, a beautiful tank that absolutely blows their mind and makes them want to pursue that in their life, and even just gives you the overall appreciation for the life in the ocean. Because some people have never even seen a live coral before. You know? <laughs> no. Yeah. Which I guess he's doing, right? Because he's all over social media. So that, yeah. So you're doing that anyways, right? With your social media presence, you are doing that. But again, I am too much of a control freak. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I've the had similar answers. Tank, yeah. The only tank I could have maintained. So, um, or I would be allowed to buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it comes to a certain point where do we live in a house or do we live in an aquarium? Yeah, so yeah. That's... Here's the wall to our bedroom. Oh yeah, it's a tank. <laughs> it's a huge I, tank. I have a secret long goal where when I'm about to retire, it's like okay, can I somehow put a 12 foot by four foot deep tank in my garage and cut the wall open with yeah. LVL? So now the whole wall down our hallway is a tank. <laughs> that would um, be awesome. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast. Uh, probably not. 
<laughs> All right, man. Well, this has been great. I think there's been a lot of good yeah. uh, info in here, oh, and we'll definitely do it again. Um, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, let's keep in touch. I and... Yeah. Yeah, me too. I know. All right, man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I will do a bio and link to all your stuff um, when I get this episode wrapped up. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay. Have a good night. Cheers. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Reef with Unorthodox Reef. If you want to check out his Instagram, you can find him as unorthodox underscore reef easy to find and i will link to anything else that was discussed in this podcast anything uh, else to do with jay's setup we will make sure you can find it and if you have any suggestions for future guests want to just ask us a question make a suggestion make a criticism whatever you want to say feel free to reach out at beyond the reef pod at gmail.com remember to like share subscribe and leave us a review And if you're looking for high-quality aquacultured corals in Canada, please check us out at fraggarage.ca. Hope to hear from you soon.